today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know how they always ask you, particularly in the context of a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years? I haven't been in a job interview for a long time, and that's also a good thing, but I, I have been asked that question, and I've always just kind of, well, where, where do I see myself in five years? Well, here's what I want to say. I know where I'm going to be for a thousand years. Have you envisioned yourself in the new heaven and new earth? In today's teaching, Pastor J.D. prompts us to do just that, as he teaches on the thousand-year reign, something certainly to look forward to, but also to hold to today with a firm grip as we live our lives in the here and now. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this portion here that is before us in your word. Lord, we are looking to you to speak by the power of the Holy Spirit in and through this passage, these chapters here in the book of Isaiah. Lord, I know that there's something that you want to show to us, speak to us, And Lord, when you do, we want to have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive. So Lord, help us to focus so our minds don't wander, as they're often so prone to do, and be distracted. Lord, this is our time together in your word as your church. So bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so very interesting, two chapters, and the reason I wanted to take chapters 11 and 12 together is because they, well, they go together. I know that's deeply profound, but it's kind of interesting because it's almost like they don't belong where they're placed, because heretofore up to chapter 10, as we've seen. And by the way, enjoy it while it lasts, because when you pick it up in chapter 13, (laughs) it's back to curse this, woe you, woe them, woe that, but not here. And it's kind of like, all of a sudden it's this break, this breather, this respite, this parenthetical passage, even parenthetical prophecy, woven into the fabric of the book in these two chapters, which are about, of all things, the kingdom age, a.k.a. the millennial reign. You know, we we talk about the rapture. That's a good thing. We certainly give appropriate attention to the seven-year tribulation that will ensue subsequent to the rapture. We talk about the second coming, and we talk about heaven, eternity, future. But here's the thing. There's a 1,000 year period of time on earth prior to eternity, future. 
prior to the new heavens and the new earth. So here, here's the, the, the chronology, the timeline. Rapture first has to be, don't get me started. Not, not that I need help to get started. I'm, I can do perfectly fine by myself, thank you very much. So the rapture's first has to be seven-year tribulation, second coming, millennial reign, 1,000 years, the kingdom age on earth, 1,000 years. You know, I was thinking about this. In fact, I was talking to my daughter about it. Um, you know how they always ask you, uh, particularly in the context of a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years? I haven't been in a job interview for a long time, and that's also a good thing. But I, I have been asked that question, and I've always just kind of, well, where do I see myself in five years? Well, here's what I want to say. I know where I'm going to be for a thousand years. I'm going to be on earth for 1,000 years. And, then, and there's no age, by the way, because we have our glorified bodies. And that alone, that alone, a thousand years. Can you just kind of wrap your mind around it? Now, here's the question. Why would God, by the Holy Spirit, inspire the prophet Isaiah to kind of break from all of these prophecies, these warnings, these curses, these woes, and just kind of break into it and start talking about the kingdom age? Answer, I believe He does it to give His people hope in the midst of the judgment of God, that which awaits them, yet future. You know how it is that when you have something to look forward to, doesn't that just change the complexion of everything you're going through? Oh, I have this to look forward to. Let's flip that around. It works both ways. When you don't have anything to look forward to, sad, 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 cry, 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 <laughs> down, 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 discouraged. I have nothing to look forward to. But when you have something to look forward to, it makes whatever you're going through easier to get through. I am of the belief that God in His grace, in His mercy, in His love for His people is saying, yeah, the Assyrians are coming. <laughs> yeah, judgment coming is coming. But let me tell you what else is coming. Let me, let me tell you what you have to look forward to yet future. And when you kind of get your mind around that, it just has this effect of changing your complete outlook on what you're going through. And I cannot think of a better time to be in this book at this time in these two chapters with everything that's happening in the world today. I've often shared, and I'll just 
very briefly share it again, and then we'll jump in. But (laughs) were it not for this hope, this truth, that Jesus is coming, that He's going to take us out of this Christ-rejecting evil world, and He's going to take us to that place that He prepared for us. And that's just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. Can I, can I just say it this way? You ain't seen nothing yet. So we're going to be taken to that place that He prepared for us, is preparing for us, and He's going to come back and He's going to take us to that place. And while, as one said, the world is tribulating, we're going to be celebrating for seven years and consummating our marriage to the Lamb. Then after the seven, the period of seven, we emerge from that bridal chamber, that place that He prepared for us, and we celebrate with the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's after. And then the second coming. And then after the second coming, the 1,000 year kingdom age and the millennial reign, and Isaiah by the Holy Spirit is going to give us a snapshot, a glimpse into what that's going to be like. Spoiler alert, wow, wow, are you kidding me right now? No. For real? Yeah. No way. Way. So. Let's jump in. You ready? All right. Verse 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Hang on to that for just a moment. This is the father of David, King David. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord, verse 2, shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, first two verses right out of the chute. We have this prophecy about Christ's first coming that was fulfilled. And in verse two, we have these, I'm going to be careful here, There's seven, if you count them. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And it's referenced four times in the book of Revelation. But before we address that and talk about that, I want to mention real quick about this mention here of Jesse. Why not David? There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who's that? That's David's dad. Well, why not just say David? There shall come forth a rod from the stem of King David. Wow, that packs more punch, right? No, Jesse. Why? Because this fulfillment of the coming Savior, the birth of, the virgin birth of the Savior of the world would come with such humility and simplicity and in poverty as was Jesse. And that's why. 
Now what's the deal with verse 2? Well, four times in the book of Revelation. The first time is in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Revelation 3.1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God. What? I thought there was only one Holy Spirit. There is. Well, why does it say seven spirits? I'm glad you asked. We'll answer it here in a moment. And the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. That's Man, the seven letters of the seven churches is just a powerful study. Revelation 4 verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. And then lastly, Revelation 5 verse 6, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures. Now, I, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me. I, I don't like creatures. So can I call them creations? What are you going to say, no? The four living creations. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Wait, are you telling me that there are seven spirits? No. The Holy Spirit has a sevenfold work. And by the way, it is believed by some that the book of Revelation is well nigh over 90% a direct reference to the Old Testament. Let me say that again. Let me say the same thing in a different way. 90 plus percent of the book of Revelation is a direct reference to the Old Testament. And we have such a case here in this chapter, referencing back to Isaiah chapter 11. Why is that important? Because you have to understand, when these letters were written, when the book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John, believed to be about the year 95 AD, when he was banished to the island of Patmos, it was written and sent to these Christians, these churches. And these churches were being persecuted. And so when this letter was written, it was almost cryptic, but not to them, because they knew the Scriptures. So when John writes this, 
and he references the seven spirits. Oh, that's Isaiah. That's the prophet Isaiah. They got it. Now, the uh, uh, authorities reading the mail and censoring it, they read that and go, seven spirits, the lamps, the what? Yeah, let them go ahead and have it. This is, this is nonsense. And then they get the letter, oh, we got, and they're reading and they're, oh yeah, that's, that's Isaiah, man. That's the sevenfold and seven, the number of completion. It's the complete work of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to take too much time on this, but one last thing on this. It is the filling with the Holy Spirit that completes us, empowers us, enables us. And when we have the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the baptism with the Holy Spirit, all seven of those, the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit is manifest in our life. You know, a very interesting study, if you want to do it on your own, is to take that sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit and cross-reference it with both the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it basically lines up like a template. All right, beginning in verse 3, this is where we turn a corner from the first coming of Jesus to the second coming and subsequent millennial reign of Jesus. Verse 3, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Can't wait. Righteousness, verse 5, shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. I am personally of the belief that this reference to slaying the wicked in verse 4, is a fulfillment of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, when Jesus, this is why I say I can't wait, He consumes the Antichrist with the breath of His mouth, effortlessly. All He has to do is speak it, and it's done. And I can't wait. I can't wait. Especially, i got to share this. Maybe this is the Holy Spirit. It is so hard. In fact, I find myself wincing and turning away every time I see somebody when I'm out and about, which isn't very often. I feel so sorry for them. And this because, well, actually for a number of reasons, chief of which is they have no idea what's coming. I see the fear in their eyes, the mask on their face, the desperation. (laughs) I just think, oh, I just, I wish I could, I won't. (laughs) You just want to grab them 
that'll get you in trouble. Don't do that. You just want to grab him and shake him and go, do you realize what's going on? You, do, you, do you know what's happening? Do you know what's coming? No. Do you know who's coming? You know what this is all about? I find myself, and I, I want to believe in my heart, the Lord knows my heart, that it's a sanctified, righteous anger towards those who are at the helm of this evil, wicked, satanic plot that's being carried out. And, and we shouldn't be surprised because we were told that this is what they would do, that this is what would happen at the time of the end, and it's happening. And I find myself in the Spirit, <laughs> in my heart, to myself, saying, Lord, you're going to have the final word on this, right? Yeah. Um, you're going to judge them for what they're doing, right? Yeah. They're going to get theirs, aren't they? Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Now, I have come under, I mean, harsh criticism. Pastor, that's not very loving. Oh, really? That's not love. What's not loving about it? I mean, what, you want a front row seat to watch God come and with the breath of His mouth consume the Antichrist? Yeah. Is it, you don't? Fine, I'll take your seat. I'll eat your popcorn too, and I'll have the concessions that you don't have. Because I know that my God is just. And if He's not just, then neither is He loving. And if He's not loving, neither is He just. And His righteousness is just. And He is going to judge. And they can think all they want that they're getting away with this. Because they're trying. They actually believe and are deceived by these doctrines of demons that they can live forever without God. They don't need God. You know why? Because they are God. Just ask them. It's nothing new. It's the same lie from the serpent in the garden. Oh, God doesn't want you knowing this, because if you knew this, then you would be like Him, God. And they bought it, and they believe it, that they are God's, and that they can live forever. That's the, the promise, the lie, really. The lie, by the way, from Satan himself. And it's like, Lord, look what they're doing to people because of this. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.